Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Relationships. Relationships can be hard. No doubt relationships can be messy. And that's what we've been focusing on these weeks in this sermon series called Address the Mess. If we're honest with ourselves, we're honest with others, we're honest with God, we know that relationships can be messy. We live in a broken down world, don't we? Where there's a mess all around us. If you look out there, you look around, there's just a mess all over the place. And it impacts all of our relationships. But it can be really easy for us to look out there. Right? To look out there and say, man, but that, man, he's got issues or she's got issues. But the hard truth is that all of us, we have issues. And it it's a very mature move, a move of humility that I think really is an act of God for a person to humbly admit and say, I've got issues. I've got issues. And so many times we want to change others or, or maybe if we're going to God, we'll, we'll pray and say something like this. God, can, can you, if only you would change my spouse or God, only if you would change my child or change my children. Or God, only if you would change my friend or change my neighbor or change my classmate or change my coworker. If only, if only. But I believe God, in the midst of those prayers, is gently saying, I want to change you. I want to help you. And if we are to address the mess in our relationships, perhaps it's not looking out there Perhaps it's not pointing the finger at others. Perhaps it's not saying he's got issues or she's got issues. And only if, if only he would change or if only she wouldn't be this way. Maybe the best way to address the mess in our relationships is to start right here. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So it's way too easy to point out there and to blame everyone else for the messiness in our lives. But God gives us hope and help if we start with ourselves. And where do I get this from? I get this from Jesus. Jesus who named and claimed exactly where this all would begin. And I want to submit to you that we want to begin with his words in terms of what comes out of us. Because yes, there's a lot of mess out there. And yes, there's others who are challenge, challenges in our life. I know I can give you some names I won't of people who are in my life who are challenges. But God's saying start with yourself. Where do I get this from? Jesus and in a conversation with his disciples, when they were in a situation where they had encountered some religious leaders who, who gave them a hard time because they weren't washing their hands and following the traditions of the religious, religion, religious leaders of that time, Jesus had some teaching to his disciples saying, it's not what comes from the outside that makes a person polluted. It's what comes from the inside. And we read this in Mark chapter 7, verse 20. He went on, Jesus said, he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. It goes on in verse 23. As we see, Jesus says, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. Defile, which is a word which means pollute, or in light of our sermon series, it's where the mess comes from. He's like, it's out of the heart that this comes. And you look at that list, 
Right? Sometimes we think, oh, Jesus is nice and he's accepting of everyone. He doesn't call it any evil or problems. No, look at this list. This is a, a tough list that comes out of our hearts on our phones. He says, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Whew. He says, this is what comes out of our hearts. We have to be honest with it. And this is, if we look at this, this is a lot of the source of the mess that we could find ourselves in. Jesus, can, another place in Luke chapter 6, 43 through 45, talks about our hearts as well. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. He says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. He says, people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Listen to this. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Again, Jesus talks about the heart. Not, a, not the beating organ inside of us that pumps blood, but the heart in the Bible speaks of the very core of our being. It speaks to the seat, the very seat that we're, from which we make decisions and everything comes from. He likens us to a tree. Jesus says, you're like a tree, and a tree, a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. And it's out of, where does that come from? It comes from within, out of our heart, of the core of who we are. And it's revealed by what we say. He says, the mouth speaks, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's step one, as we watch our language. What comes out of our mouths reveals what's in our heart. I would say even take it the next step further, not just what we say, but what we do. I think Jesus could have easily said, for out of our life, the, from out of our, how we live, that's what the heart is full of. It's what comes out of us. So what are we to do? If we want to address the mess in our relationships, I think we need to start with ourselves. We need to let God address our mess. And if we do this, I believe we can reduce the contribution that we bring to the mess and, in fact, influence those relationships in more ways than we may know or imagine. There's only so much that we can impact directly. And we can start with ourselves. And we can influence others. And everything else is beyond us. So many times we get it opposite. We want to control everyone else out there, but then don't look at ourselves and don't make ourselves available to God. So where do we do? How do we address our hearts? And how can we let God address our hearts? I think we need to consider God's word and wisdom for help beyond ourselves. God gives us hope. God gives us help in his word. And to do this, we're going to go back to a, a word of wisdom from the Proverbs. A verse which is, uh, sitting in our kitchen, I can picture it's right over the sink. It's pinned there. It's Proverbs 4.23. Right? Above all else, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do comes from it. I believe Jesus, he would have known what's now known as our Old Testament. He would have studied it, that wisdom of Solomon. And, and I think a lot of his teaching, he would have come from this verse. Here, we read from Solomon, he says, above all else. Those are three big words. Above all else. And so in essence, Solomon in the Proverbs is saying, you could look to a lot of different areas, you could consider lots of different things, but above all else, do this. Above all else, he says, guard your heart. For everything you do comes from it. And so what does it mean for us to guard our heart? I want to focus on that for a bit today. I know for me, for years, guarding the heart meant more, don't let, don't let anyone hurt you. Right? I came from a family. My dad grew up in Chinatown, New York City, had six siblings. He said he was in fights with people in Little Italy all the time. His childhood stories are incredible. As a little, I can't remember how young I was, but I'm not making this up. He said, Jeff, be careful who's closest to you. 
because they're the ones who can pull the knife. Write that down. That's not a Bible verse, right? <laughs> Dad, uh, you're watching online. Interesting quote, great quote. Be careful. Be careful who's closest to you because they can pull the knife. Now, put that in context, connection with guard your heart. What I'm thinking is, don't let anyone hurt me. I don't let anyone near me. And sometimes this verse has been taken out of context to say that's how we guard our heart. Keep everyone at arm's distance. Stay cold and distant. Don't let anyone near because if you let anyone in, they could hurt you. And yeah, in this messy world, we could easily get hurt in relationships. But that's not the meaning of this verse. Now, some Proverbs you can take and just have a single proverb and it's a teaching point and it is not a greater context, but not this one. This one's in the context of a set of verses which speak more clearly about what it means to guard the heart. So if we go reverse, go back to verse 20, we read this in terms of Proverbs and what it means to guard the heart. We read this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. These are the verses that come before that great verse 23. He says, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. In other words, this, you need to be intentional with this. This is not going to happen by accident. This is even, not even going to happen naturally. You have to make a decision to pay attention. In this context, Solomon is saying to my words, to words of wisdom. You can extend that to all of God's word. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Pay attention. Take notice. Intentionally seek out God's word. I love this. He says, do not let them out of your sight, but keep them within your heart. Within your heart. Right at the core of your being. Take God's word. Take God's wisdom and keep them within your heart. Why? Because God's word and his words are life. They're life to those who find them. Notice that description, to those who find them. It means there's a step of searching, a step of seeking, and there's life there. Not death, but life. And not just that, he says, and there's health to one's whole body. This is not just an intellectual exercise. This is not just reading a book and thinking about things. This is not just food for thought. This is life-changing. This is health to the body. God's wisdom, God's word physically actually changes us as well. There's life. There's health. So in light of this context, then we come to verse 23, this great verse, right? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now it's different. There's a picture of receiving God's word, putting that word in our heart, having it transform us from the inside out. All the songs that we have sung this morning about God restoring us and changing us. We let God's word do that. We bring it into our lives. We bring it to bear. And as he changes us and reshapes us and restores us, above all else, then guard that heart and let everything else come from it. What's the impact of the verses afterwards? It speaks to a different way of life. Starting in verse 24, continuing on, it says, keep your mouth free of perversity. It says, keep corrupt talk from your lips. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Here, out of, when you guard your heart in this manner, it changes what you say. It changes what you see. It changes how you live. Verse 26, continuing, he says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to your right or the left, keep your foot from evil. So as you guard your heart in this manner, it changes our thoughts. It changes our actions, our decisions, where we go. 
If you guard your heart in this manner, everything else flows from it. And your speech, what you see, what you think, how you live, the decisions you make are all impacted. If you want to address the mess in your relationships, start with yourself. Guard your heart. Defend your heart. Nurture your heart. And everything else will flow from it as well. So how are we to do this? Is this something we do on our own strength? Do we simply make this happen? Do we commit today? There's the one thing to do to go make it happen. I'm going to change my heart. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to make this happen. That's not the Christian faith. That's actually the way of other religions, right? By our own effort, by our own, our own, our own choice, we're going to try and reach up to God. But the good news of Christianity, the good news of Jesus in the Bible is that he's already reached down to us. And he's given us everything we need to live out this life. In fact, he's given us a new heart. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've believed in the trustworthiness of Jesus, that he truly lived, he truly died for the forgiveness of your sins, and if you put your faith and trust in him, the good news of the Bible, the good news of Jesus, he gives you a new life. And with that comes a new heart. And also the gift of his spirit who takes up residence inside us and moves us to follow him. Where do we get this from? Hundreds of years before Jesus, hundreds of years a word came to the prophet Ezekiel about what God would do. Right in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 20, 25 through 24, I believe. 25, let me get this right. 25 through 27, we read this. Hundreds of years before Jesus, listen to this. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Right, we see hundreds of years before Jesus, before the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a promise was given that God would take action and that he wouldn't leave us on our own to try and make life happen or try to change ourselves, that he would give us a new heart, a new heart that would want to follow God, a new spirit, the Holy Spirit living in us that would move us to follow his ways, that we wouldn't have to do it ourselves and change ourselves, that we wouldn't have to change from the outside in, but he would change us from the inside out by giving us this new heart. And so what's our role? Our role is to guard that heart because everything else flows from it. Proverbs 4.23. The old translation is, it's a wellspring of life. What a great picture, right? Just this water coming out. The heart is from where everything comes out. As followers of Jesus, we're given this new heart that we're called to nurture. So how are we to live in light of this? First, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm grateful that you're here, whether in person or joining us online. If you're checking out the Christian faith, maybe you're thinking, I, I want to know a little bit more about this. Hear this, that the offer of God is that he hasn't given up on you. And though you may have given up on him, he's never given up on you. And he offers himself to you. And he's offered himself to you in real time. Nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived and he died on a Roman cross. And there's a reason why he died on that Roman cross. He died for the forgiveness of your sins. He lived a perfect life you couldn't live. And then in your imperfection, he took the, your place and paid the penalty that you deserve to pay. And if you believe that that's true, that he died for the forgiveness of your sins, that God did this for you, the belief of Christianity, the belief of the Bible in Jesus Christ is that you are then restored into a right relationship with God. 
And with that, you receive a new life, a new heart. And so, yes, that offer is there for you today. If you've come to the end of, of yourself and you're like, I can't make life work anymore. I can't figure this out. I need help. I need God. This offer is for you. And I ask that if you have any questions about that, I would love to meet with you and talk, to you, talk with you about that. Reach out to me. Reach out to our leadership or talk to someone you came with today. That's the offer of God. Now, for others who have been following Jesus, maybe for just last week, maybe your whole life, maybe you've never heard this before. It's like, there's so many things when I sat in your seat most of my life, sometimes I'd hear a pastor preach, be like, I wish someone had told me about that. This is what you have. And we may not know it, we may not fully experience it, but this is the truth of God, the truth of Scripture. You've been given a new life, a new heart, and God's Spirit lives inside of you. And so therefore, He has put that Spirit inside of you to move you to follow God's ways, God's laws, God's decrees. He's given you a new heart. But we have to nurture that heart because that heart could become hardened. It never becomes fully stone again, but it could become hardened unless we nurture it, unless we let God keep it soft like flesh, ready to follow him, ready to care for others. So we need to ask a couple questions around this. First question says, what specific decisions can we make to guard our hearts by defending it with God's help? This is more the defensive part, saying, what, how do we defend our heart? We need to ask questions like this. What pulls us away from God? What pulls you away from God? As you think about your life, what negative, negatively impacts your thoughts, attitudes, and actions? And be clear with that. Be real with that. Consider what you see. Consider what you engage. Consider what you indulge. And how does that pull you away from God? How do we know what that is? We can see it in God's word. He's given us that instruction. He shows us what is sin, what pulls us away from God. We need to be real with that and ask that. and Say, what's pulling us away from God? Know that, knowing that God cares deeply for you. And he cares about your heart. And he's the source of life. And so for us to guard our heart, we need to consider what pulls us away from God and to seek to not let that into our lives. Right? This is a God-shaped defense of our heart. That's question one. That's negative. Positive, the question then is, what draws us closer to God? How can we nurture our relationship with God? Right? What builds us up in terms of our thoughts, attitudes, and actions? And how can we embrace that more fully? How can we nurture our hearts? Not just defending our heart, not just keeping bad things away from our heart. How can we also nurture our heart? How can we grow that relationship with God? Right? What Audrey said just before, that sanctification, to let God do that work where he restores us more and more to be like Jesus. And how do we know what we need to nurture our hearts? Again, that's in God's word. He gives us those examples. Let me give you some right now. One is what you're doing right now. You're in a worship service. Weekly worship is a gift from God. Right? It's not an obligation. I gotta go to worship. It's a gift from God. It's a divine appointment. At its best, it's a taste of heaven. Gathered with other believers. This is a taste of what it's gonna be like forever. For some of you who are like, that sounds more like hell than heaven. No, it really is heaven. <laughs> I'm trying to keep you awake here. It's going to be amazing. We get a taste of it. At its best, when we hear God's promises, his love, and we experience it together, that's what church should be. And that's what a worship service should be. Like we began this service, it helps us to refocus on God, to hear his promises, that the lies that are out there, the lies that are telling us things about ourselves, no, let God's truth restore us, encourage us, lift us up, bring us back to life. That's weekly worship. You want to nurture your heart? Worship and worship together. You want to nurture your heart? Find relationships that build you up. Don't drag you down. 
And I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about relationships where you simply feel good because you talk about things or talk about others. I'm talking about relationships that build you up in Christ. Where someone looks you in the eye and says, how's your soul? How are you doing really? How's your faith? How are you growing? Someone who cares enough to ask, are you reading God's word? Are you praying? Are you relating to God? Do you have a friend, a set of friends? My prayer and dream is that our church, you, every single person would have at least one person, not if, but when life falls apart, you would have someone to call. Or a group of friends that you know you're walking with consistently who've got your back, your spiritual back, and that you could have that encouragement. You want to nurture your heart, find those friends. Our church wants to help you do that. Other ways to nurture your heart is to serve, to give of your time and talents. I mentioned some before in terms of our worship ministries, but there's lots of other ways you can do that. So there's something that happens when you serve as opposed to just receive. It nurtures your heart. Same thing with giving, especially giving financially. As we're generous with your gifts financially, whether with a church or with others, you see a need. There's something that resists the consumeristic, self-centered culture we live in. As you give, it nurtures your heart. Another way to nurture your heart is to confess your sins. That's not popular in the 21st century. What's sin? Yes, none of us are perfect, but to acknowledge and be real with God saying, I've messed up. God, I've messed up. And I agree with you, I've messed up. I confess my sins and then realize and experience the forgiveness of God that he won for you in Christ on the cross. Lastly, you want to nurture your heart? Read God's word. Read it. Read it often. Drink of it. This is living water in a thirsty world, right? We live in a dry, arid world. This is living water for us every day. Some of us are going to Mexico next month, right? And every morning, we're going to drink a lot of water before the day. I remember back in 1999, there was a guy named Brian Thomas on the trip with us. I remember him taking this big thing of water and drinking it like a madman. I could still see his cheeks go as he's drinking the water. I'm like, Brian, that's a lot of water. He's like, if we don't drink this much water, we're toast today. And then he looked at me and said, if we don't read God's word every day, we're toast as well. That's the picture. This is living water we're to drink. You want to nurture your heart. You want to guard your heart. Read God's word. All of us need to consider these different aspects. Because Psalm 119, 9 through 11, great verses. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. There's that heart word again. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? Take God's word, read God's word, drink in God's word, ingest God's word, digest God's word. Let it become part of who you are. You want to guard your heart. Above all else, guard it. You can nurture it by reading God's word. Those are some examples of ways to do it. God calls us to guard our heart both by having a God-shaped defense, not letting certain things in, but also having a God-shaped offense by embracing these areas that shape our heart. We need both. And as we do, God reshapes our heart. And out of that heart comes our life. Out of the heart is how we relate to other people. Out of that heart, I believe, more than we may even begin to realize, it impacts all of our relationships. And if you want to address the mess in your relationships, Start with letting God address the mess in your own heart first and then see what happens. Is everything going to be fixed? Everything going to be perfect? No, absolutely not. Other people have to address their messes as well. But start with yourself and see what happens. I know my experience of life, when I'm letting God work on me first, a lot of other things start clicking into place as opposed to pointing my finger at everyone else and blaming others and trying to change them. 
first let God change me and see what happens. That's my prayer for you from this message. Let me give you one thing to remember, one thing to do as we finish up. One thing to remember is this. We can receive help from God for our relationships as we let him address our hearts first with his love, grace, and truth. What's one thing to do as we think about this? Identify one way to defend your heart, one way to nurture your heart toward Christ, and then commit to these actions this week. Think about it as you play the movie of this last week. You go back a week and play the movie. What are some places that you wish, you know what, I wish I defended my heart a little better. I wish I didn't let that into my heart. I wish I didn't let that take over. Identify something going forward to this week, saying, I want to cut that out of my life, or I want to resist that or not go there. That's defending your heart. Then to nurture your heart, what's one thing you could commit to? Even the list I gave you before. Come back next week to worship. That's a big step. Come back next week. Another one would be open up your Bibles. Renew a friendship, connection, relationship. Someone who's not just going to talk about the weather and sports and what your kids and grandkids are doing or talk bad about other people. No, talk to someone who's going to look you in the eye and say, how's your soul? How's your faith? How can I help you? Someone who really cares. Find someone this week. I know for me, I've had to do a couple things, especially around social media. I know for me, when I'm on social media, it provokes envy all the time. And it's, it's not easy. Some of you may know I worked in software years ago, and I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes deep inside, I'm like, God, I could be making a lot more money if I was still in software. And we could be doing a lot of other things as a family. We could be going to these beach houses. We could be going on these big vacations. I get on social media, it starts provoking envy. And then on Saturday nights, when I have to start thinking about what I'm doing here right now, and everyone else is out partying, I'm like, I wish I had my Saturday nights back. I wish I could be a normal person, but I'm not. So on, on Saturday nights, I have to stay away from social media. I don't know what it is for you. Find something and say, God, I'm going to put that on hold this week. I'm going to guard my heart. And then that's defense. And then positive. Okay, I want to open up my Bible. The Version Bible app, I put it in the personal email on Thursday to you. It's a great Bible app. For me, the verse of the day is a fantastic, just easy thing. I put the Bible up in the front left of my phone. It's the first thing I click on in the morning. Before I click Facebook, before I click email, before I click any news sites, I go to the Bible app. It's a great way to start. I don't know what it is for you. Set something up so you can nurture your heart and guard your heart and have a God-shaped offense. And commit to it this week and see what changes. Some questions for reflection, kind of review. To what extent do you recognize that you've been given a new heart as a follower of Christ? And what could change if you lived into this life-transforming reality? Slow down on that question this week. Maybe it's the first time you've heard. Maybe you've been a follower of Christ. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but no one's ever told you, you know what, you have a new heart. Not a physical organ. It's a different kind of heart transplant. It's not a physical heart transplant. It's a spiritual heart transplant. And say, God, I want to know more about this. Pray and say, I want to nurture this new heart, this new life. Live into that life-transforming reality. And then the two questions, what specific decisions can you make to guard your heart by defending it with God's help? And then positively, what specific decisions can you make to guard your heart by nurturing it with God's help? Think about those questions this week. I'll post every, right when I'm at noon, around noon, I post these questions on Facebook, on our Facebook page. And then they go out typically in an email on Monday or Tuesday. They're for you to, to, to pray through, wrestle with. Maybe by yourself, maybe with a friend, maybe in your journal. Pray that you would do that. I invite you to come back next week. Next week's Father's Day. And I'm going to put this into practice. I'm going to get real next week about my relationship with my dad. 
and the work that God did in my life when I put everything that I've talked about today into practice with him. For years, I wanted God to fix and change my relationship with my dad. But God had to come from another angle with his grace to change me first before he changed that relationship. That's the teaser for next week. Come back and we'll do that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we are not left alone on this planet to try to make life work. God, you offer your grace and your truth and your wisdom and your help. So I pray for every person who's heard this message. God, that they would embrace your grace and especially the new life and new heart that we have in Christ. I pray that you would help all of us to guard our heart because everything else flows from it. And God, you would give us specific wisdom of how we can both defend our heart but also nurture it. And in doing so, Lord, that we would take steps to allow you to address the mess in our lives so that everything that comes out of us, Lord, would have a more positive effect in our relationships and, in fact, on this world that needs your grace. We commit ourselves to commit all this in the powerful and matchless name of Jesus who makes all of this possible. Amen.